0: Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. Now, we believe this is gonna require, like Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is actually united in a region and collaborating together around five key initiatives. That's citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city together, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Now, presently, as we're coming back from a month off, we're spending some time on the initiative of Leader Health. And I continue to believe this is probably one of the most important things that often gets terribly neglected. And so one of the joys I get to have right now is I get to interact with a, a friend of mine who uh we go way back. Uh, her name is Mindy calaguire and uh, we used to be together at Willow Creek, which is crazy. So that's that's quite a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> she's the co-founder. I mean, it really is, isn't it? It I is mean, a long wow, time ago. A lot of years, <laughs> and we've gone. Both of us <laughs> have gone <laughs> through. All, oh yes, we've we've had our journeys too. So. Um, but yeah, she's the co-founder and president of Soul Care, which I'm really excited for you to hear about. I'd love to encourage many of you toward that, uh, toward the work she's doing. And uh, she's an author of several books. She's got one in the work right now, um, which is exciting uh, because Mindy, you have a you have a voice that needs to be heard. You have a, a presence that when people are with um, you, draw the best out of them. Um, you you see people. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, am I'm a little bit even emotional saying it because last time we were together, you, you saw me and, um, yeah, it was a blessing to be with you. So Mindy, thank you so much for joining us. And I would love it if you would introduce yourself a little more, tell us a little more about yeah. yourself and your kind of your story about how soul care came into existence.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things tie together pretty tightly. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, sort of current state, and then I'll go backwards and that will come how that story comes about so current state i live uh and work out of boulder colorado which is a wonderful place to be um, terribly
0: ugly place to live how I in the know, world it's really a thing suffering. <laughs> yeah,
1: <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> um and i uh my my husband and i have been married uh for I think it was this year was 36 years. So that's a long time.
0: Well done.
1: We're kind of like, how are we even 36 years old? Never mind been married. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, But what a a grace um, how the Lord has carried us through so many different seasons, so many different places. Uh, And then we have three adult kids who are all three adult sons who are all married. So I have three daughters-in-law and they are amazing. It's so fun having girls finally around and not just any girls, but these girls, they're, they're my tribe. And, uh, and two of the three live close to us here in the Denver area. And then, uh, or two of the couples. And then the third, though he lives in uh, Mazatlan, Mexico, Uh, is actually quite involved with me with soul care right now. And so I get to see him all the time in meetings every day. And it's just such a joy uh, to see your kid like flourish and even lead you at times. It's been amazing. I was just telling my husband about that this morning. So that is uh, current state. Uh, I've fully vocationally working with soul care right now. We've got a growing team of people. We've got a core team, about 12 or so people who all, all like fractional, everybody's doing small bits of contribution, but everybody's deeply passionate about this topic. And then we have a team of about 30 spiritual directors and coaches who meet with people uh, on a regular basis through either organizations that hire us or independent um, individuals that find us. Uh, but the reason I care about soul care uh, goes way, way, way back. Um, we, my husband and I uh, had been we got married shortly after college. He had gone to seminary. We interned at Willow Creek before I knew you. We did a church oh. planting internship. And then we went to plant a church in Boston. And we did a hard thing planting a church. Any church planners listening in, you have our yeah. love and respect. Um,
0: and in Boston?
1: I was going to say, it was a hard thing in a hard I mean, place. It's yep. already
0: hard. And then yeah. you picked a city that's really a challenge. Well, Wonderful the, place. But
1: Oh, I love it. Still one of my favorite yeah. places. But the yeah. Triple Crown, Jeff, was that we did it in the hardest possible way. Like we were out there. We started our own 501c3. We raised all our own money. We had no oversight, no accountability, no shepherding, no mentoring, no... no wow.
0: Okay, we don't do that. You. Don't yeah, do don't, that if you're, don't you're listening, listening
1: in. <laughs> in. Please contact Jeff and take a yeah. your all path. Oh, you
0: daredevils! Don't be that daring. It's not wise.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, we were so—I mean, truly, Jeff. Uh, you know, kind of arrogant, I think, and uh, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That five years in, possibly quite predictably, if you had been looking at us objectively, I had a complete collapse of my interior. I. Mm was non-functioning for several months and so the interior resulted in physical symptoms that effectively sidelined me for months and i uh i had a lot of very honest conversations with god during those times like hey like what gives i'm on your team uh this is not strategic try telling god what is and is not strategic
0: uh, um, like he doesn't know what's going on.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I mean, come on, now, audacity! Like every, <laughs> probably nobody wants to listen to the rest of this podcast. They're like, "Who is this yeah. anyway?" anyway I, um, I, you would be right. Um, the Lord was so gracious to me in the midst of that. It was very disorienting. I, 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 I really thought all that mattered was the production that we do for God, right? Mm-hmm. Believe the right things and work as hard as you can to help other people enter the kingdom of heaven. And you basically don't matter. What matters is, you know, lost people matter to God. It's the people in your core group that matter to God. It's your donors that matter to God. It's, and so we we misappropriate or misalign ourselves with some of the very extreme and and still valid invitations to, you know, die daily, take off your take up your cross and follow. We we just we almost overly celebrate. Um, sacrificing beyond, I believe firmly, beyond what God's inviting us into. And it, we can have some sort of sort of chest-pounding bravado and feeling that we're so spiritual to sacrifice in such ways. But I believe of all the costs that Jesus calls us to count, and there are costs that we count, um, I, I, it was never in his heart or mind that one of those costs would be an ever-diminishing interior life with him. Mm. Mm. That was never part of the divine imagination of how his kingdom, how he, by his spirit, would work through us in real relationships, in real cities, with real mortgages, with real children. It was never at the cost of our own interior life. And for many in ministry, I find that that's one of the first things to go. So, anyway, I, I came out of that season um, by God's grace um, with a, a pretty feisty um, refusal. And I, I I was, I don't know how nice you are on your podcast, but I, you I let it go. I was like, I was actually really pissy, if I can say that. I yeah, mean, that's terrible. You can but say I was it. like, I was like really pissed. It was like, what? what I, I have been sold a crock of what it takes to be a successful leader. And it's not the gospel. (laughs) It is not the way of Jesus. It's not even the way he lived. And so I was pretty uh, angry. And uh, I had, I I think the one good gift out of that season, I mean, there were many, but one of the good gifts was that I ended up with a pretty sort of fierce, uh, refusal, a deep refusal to go back to f- my former ways of highly driven, highly, you know, insane, really in hindsight behaviors in the same, in the sake of, or for the sake of what I thought was God's call. And I'm sure it was God's call. It was my, my way of exec- my way of addressing or responding to that call was what was messed up. It wasn't God. Right. But I, um, I came out with a pretty deep refusal. And I was like, "I." the only language I had around it was I needed to care for my soul. Like I finally thought I feel so responsible for everybody and everything. But the one thing I am actually responsible for is my own well-being mm. and my own deep life with God. And I need to stop being responsible for everybody else and figure out how to be responsible for this person, this woman, And let God do whatever He wants through me. I'm, I I was so, this was the pissy side. I was like, I'm so done being intentional, strategic, and harnessing my spiritual gifts. I was like, I didn't want to hear any of that. It's like, I'm (laughs) going to build as deep a relationship with God as I know how. And frankly, I realized I have no idea how. I know how to know good things about God and I know how to work really hard, but I didn't know how to be with God in in the moment by moment ways. And so, I came to believe that that caring of my soul was actually the one thing I was responsible for and that that if I could just sort of effectively take a swan dive into the depth of a relationship, of intimacy, of real-time connection with God, that He could do through me whatever He jolly well-pleased, I was just done trying. That was my Mm. feisty, pissy self. And I'm so grateful that I had that deep refusal because it's like something the severity of what I went through I think was such that it sort of seared off you know when 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 you sear something and it it closes I, I don't even know how to define searing, but it like closes something that nothing can go through again. Yeah, it felt yeah like thing was seared off in my soul to the attractiveness of living this driven achieving life. And so, you know, you and I were kind of praying ahead of time and thinking about how through many, I say this all the time, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come, um, Mm -hmm. through many dangers, toils, and snares in the 27 or 8 years since that collapse of my interior, um, I am here to tell you, when you arrange your life around the well-being of your soul, you can still breathe. And, and find rest. And mm. you can be open to possibilities you would never have even been able to discern if you're in such a driven state. I, I promise you the way of Jesus, mm. which I will say is for me, caring for my soul in the midst of ministry, no matter how hard, no matter how whatever, um, is the path to life. And that's what yeah. we're invited into. Come on people, we need life.
0: Yes. Oh, so refreshing. So that's
1: how I got into soul care. I I've, along the way a couple that was my personal resolve. And then as I was learning how to care for my soul, there's a lot of stories I could tell, but basically I kept almost inadvertently walking past doors that I didn't even know existed and the Lord would open doors. And so I I just would walk through them. I was like, I don't know how to do this, but holy cow, there's a door open there and it might help other people learn how to care for their souls. So I guess I'll go through it. And it turned into creating little journaling product and I sold them into bookstores and then they went into beyond Christian bookstores, they went into secular chains and they sold through at Christmas time. And it's like there was, there's always been this favor over this message that defies any reason like i'm not the most likely suspect to lead something like this but the lord just continues to say all right well why don't you go work for john orberg for a little while at willow creek i was like what like they approached me would i come and interview for a job i was like what and then the willow creek association many years later and then in this in the wake of reveal and then i was through that brought into a big huge tech company here in Boulder called Glue that's doing a ton of stuff around the kingdom in really powerful ways and and so it's just been like one surprising journey after another and then the pandemic hit and it was like i've always thought the soul was the most important thing jeff but it feels like now everybody knows that our current ways of doing things are being exposed for the the broken Parts, in you know. So anyway, I'll be quiet there. That was a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted. No, I wanted dog. people to. There's so much gold in that, Mindy, though, because like, like you, you know, this. There's, you know, people of all ages are going to be listening. People of all stages are listening. Some are in that stage of like, well, it won't. That won't happen to me. I'm going to press through it. You know, and you're just like, please listen. Like, let's call it 29. wisdom. I was oh,
1: 29. Yeah. When I was puking my guts out so hard for months on end that i was hospitalized several times i it was so disorienting and i mean i what a gift that that yes, early in absolutely. my life i before my third child was even born i was ruthless i was mm. i was ruthless in finding a different way to live because mm. i didn't buy it anymore i did not buy it anymore that working harder and all that was going to be the path of life. Now, do I yeah. still work hard? Yeah, I'm a high capacity person. I do, you know, whatever, but I'm a I'm a very different woman than I was then.
0: Mm. By God's grace. Yeah. I, as you were kept talking, I kept thinking of Jesus words, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Like
1: <laughs> I teach around <laughs> that all the time, Jeff, because
0: yeah.
1: Do you know that that passage is like really a core one for us. We use that as an evangelistic passage, right? (laughs) We say that to lost people. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but there's two problems with it. Um, First of all, if you look at the context, it's in Matthew 16, or at least one instance is in Matthew 16. And that's exactly Jesus' words. Would you possibly gain? If you, you know, how could you benefit if you gain the whole world, but forfeit your soul? And especially like in the eighties, when I was kind of growing up in faith, it's like, that was like, oh, don't go chasing after fame and fortune and all that kind of stuff and find out that your ladder is tilting around against the wrong building. Do you remember that metaphor? Yes,
0: I remember that illustration.
1: <laughs> You're younger than me, but I thought you might remember. Anyway, so we were kind of like, you know, put your anchor into the way of God, not into the way of the world. How could you benefit if you gain the whole world, but forfeit your soul or forfeit eternity with God is what. That's right.
0: That's how we heard it. Yeah.
1: That's how we heard it. And that is what we meant. And uh, that's not what Jesus (laughs) meant in that passage. It is not what he's saying. And he is talking to his disciples then Mm -hmm. and now. Anyone who's listening, if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus, that imperative, that rhetorical question is aimed at you. How could you possibly benefit if you gained if you if you established a network of churches that were planting and they were you know, but forfeited your soul? How could you benefit if you started a whole new prayer movement and forfeited your soul? How could you benefit? i mean, I mean, this is hard for us to hear it that way because we're like, well, those things are inarguably good. How could you lose your soul in the middle of all that? Well, we can and we do. So not only was he talking to his disciples then and now, But the Mm. word for soul in the Greek, psuche, P-S-U-C-H-E, right? It's the same where we get our derivative for psyche, psychology, all that kind of stuff. Um, The little text note, you know, if you follow it down, uh, says that verse 26, which is what we're talking about, translates that word soul, psuche as soul. But verse 25 translates the exact same Greek word as life. Mm. And one of the most high-intensity discipleship verses is, in fact, the verse right before it, where Jesus says, if you would gain your life, you must lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And how could you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeited your soul slash life? And what could you give in exchange for your soul slash life? And I think this is a vitally important thing for especially like evangelicals, people who so greatly prize the scriptures. And I would consider myself in that category. We prize, or at least that's a traditional understanding of evangelical. I'm not sure. I know yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, right, yeah. yeah, Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: You might want really to cut that out later.
0: No, no, you can keep that. That's the old version. Yeah. We love the word of God.
1: Yes, we love, love God. And God. we love his okay, word. We love good news. <laughs> we love the word of God. That's like, let's just, let's just leave it there. Anyway, I, 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 it th- both in the old testament the word uh, nefesh and in the new testament Suke, those those words for soul are equally translated soul and life and the biblical concept of soul is not this like floaty thing that goes to heaven when your body dies that is like what cartoons and warner brothers you know mm-hmm. describes the soul designed created by god soul creating god's image is the thing that integrates and holds together all the dimensions of our personhood yeah holds together all the dimensions of our personhood your life as it goes with your soul is how it goes with your life i've i've my like you know proverbs 4 23 above all else card your heart for everything flows from it right that's kind of the main wisdom literature that we see that theme my Mm. sort of street level way of saying this has been whether you like it or not whether you know it or not your soul's well-being is driving everything that matters to you
0: Mm. it's a big deal
1: it is a big deal yeah so i think people need to care for their souls and it's not your boss's job it's not your elder team's job it's not your spouse's job. It is not, Mm. it is is easy to lay blame when you're not well around the sources of pressure in your life. Mm. They do make Mm. it difficult. Sources of pressure make it difficult. But we all have to take ownership for our intimacy with God, which I promise you can still be experienced in deep and vibrant ways, in searing pain, surrounded by failure, surrounded by chaos, none of our external circumstances have a direct ability to thwart our real-time, in-the-moment sense of connection with God.
0: It's mm-hmm. Good stuff. We haven't even got started, and we already got started. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, this is good. This is what I was hoping for. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I'm so glad. I mean, the, that that's part of what I want to ask is like, okay, so how do you do that? What does that look like? And what, like, even for you guys, how are you helping people take that seriously as an organization?
1: Yeah, yeah. A really fun um, sort of, we're calling it a redemptive framework has emerged uh, in the last little bit. And so it's really a concise way of explaining for anybody who's listening, like, all right, so maybe I should take care of my soul, but what does that look like? How do I, what should I do? Um, <clears throat> and we call it, uh, the, like, we call it the one thing, as if there's just one thing, but we call it the page, the person, and the plan. And this becomes very accessible, very doable for anyone. And I'll walk through kind of what I mean by those three. Um which is the one thing. Uh, the page is an invitation to reflection. Uh, you know, there's growing body of neuroscience around the value of writing in a journal. There's tons of evidence in the marketplace as well as in Christian history or current um, sources, the value of reflection, of writing in a journal, of considering our days as the psalmist would say. You know, we we want to consider our days. We want to notice what's going on in and around us. We have David's journals and a couple other people. The entire book of Psalms is a great example of very authentic uh crying out, the soul crying out to God and putting it into words, putting it into writing. And um not that, you know, millions of people ever need to read your journals the way we all read his, but uh Writing in the pages of a, a non-judgmental open space is just an invitation to reflection. And there's even some really interesting research about, you know, because you 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 work with mostly leaders, Jeff. And it's like yeah. our leadership is actually capped at our capacity for self-reflection. Mm. We 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 do not transcend certain levels of influence if we do not grow in our capacity for reflection wow yeah yeah that's a that's been a showstopper in a lot of the church planter and pastor environments that i'm in because reflection seems like a nice to have like oh if you've got nothing better to do with your time sit like a teenage girl with your journal and you know nothing could be further from the truth um, mm. The the authors who who speaks to this is Janet Hagberg. She wrote Critical Journey, which many people know yes. in the spiritual formation world. But prior to that, that same framework she outlined in a book called Real Power, and it's about how personal power, stages of personal power in organizations, how we show up in leadership contexts, and uh, it, it's a great. I think it's one of the best books I've ever read. I l- recommend it all the time. I love it myself. And in it, um, she talks about how our capacity for influence, the f- the fourth stage of our influence beyond positional power, which is I'm the boss. You have to do what I say because I pay you, uh, which has a certain kind of influence. But mm-hmm. if you want to move to the three stages of power that are stronger, even than position, the first of those three stages is power by reflection. It's great, oh. it, anyway, so this is a that's a whole separate topic. so that's the that's the page one. You're okay. a journal writer, right? Have I you
0: am I work? sure am. Helpful. I've been doing it for years yep. since I was in high school uh, yep. my my English teacher got us to journal, and so that's where I started learning how to do it was when I was in high school.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's really powerful. So the page is the invitation to reflection. Uh, the person is the invitation to connection. And in this, what I believe is essential for someone's soul to be well, and particularly leaders this is true for, um, is we need we need a safe third space. It's not your work. It's not your uh, family. Uh, you need a place, a, a relational space, a person with whom you can be completely honest about the good, the bad, the ugly. We need places where we can try out new ways of relating in a troubled relationship. We need places that can mirror for us our insecurities or our fears. We need places where we're reminded of who we truly are and what God's vision is over our lives. We need people who are for us, who are with mm-hmm. us and for us and who are for our destiny, our our obedience to God so much so that they would even confront us like Nathan did to David if we were not living in to the identity that they knew they know that god has for us that is love mm-hmm. and we need those kinds of friends we need the, whether it's i mean you can pay for these people if you're in a situation where you don't have anyone like that you do coaching people yep. do coaching we have spiritual directors that do that kind of thing therapists can be that safe third space um, but so can ordinary friendships, peer relationships, mm-hmm. the church planter who's down the street, who has a different denominational hat on, can be a safe third space if we enter into a certain way of relating. And the gospel makes this possible. We The, the life of God in you connects with the life of God in me. Larry Crabb wrote a lot about this stuff, yes. and he was right. Um, so that's the person. The, the page is an invitation to reflection. The person is an invitation to connection. And then the plan is really the invitation to intention. It's like the the language of a rule of life might be familiar to some of us, um, which isn't really about following rules like the speed limit. It's about the, uh, the ancient regular Latin term, which was used to describe a trellis. Right. So a trellis is a, a, a physical inanimate structure that doesn't cause life. It is not life, but it's strong and it's stable and things that are wired to grow and to fruit or flower in certain ways, they can hang on to that structure. And that living thing can more optimally produce when it's got a structure and so for us the plan becomes an invitation to intention like what you know the, the the stanford class on designing your life it's like i think god has given us responsibility to think about what kind of life do we want to live all those dimensions of flourishing integrate in the soul so the mind and the body The the will all these different parts of us the way we relate our relationships our vocational alignment our financial health all these things that we tend to think oh that's not spiritual well it's all spiritual to quote yes it is (laughs) you know Um, so so that's our that's the one thing guys is the page the person and the plan and uh, we we're finding we have some online courses that go over that and a little soul care plan resource that people can get. Um, that walk people through that. But um, we're dead serious about it. We we're trying to say at soul care, like, nobody journeys alone. Like, how do we Mm -hmm. create any of our resources, any of our things that are always pointing people back to their own existing relationships or ours, if we can be helpful, but I don't care where (laughs) you find your person, you got to find your person. You got to learn how to journal. You got to learn how to sit quietly and let your mind slow down to the pace that you can write and see mm-hmm. how the word meets you in that space.
0: Mm. Anyway, that statement there alone, I think is really key to, to slow down to the pace at which you can write. Yep. And in some ways, it's like, I, I if people are listening, I want to go like, hey, don't just do it on your keyboard because some of you can type faster than you, than you slow, you can't slow down. And like, yep. I think that is the beauty of writing. Like I've always had a like a, a physical journal and then I've switched to a remarkable, but I'm still writing, yep. you know, the tablet, but I'm still writing it and I'm not typing it and I don't want yep. to be able to type because when I type, I go faster sometimes. Yep. And I,
1: I think that's a huge, yeah,
0: point. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually why I golf. It's the one thing that sl- slows me down. Yep. Other than journaling. <laughs> There's other things that slow me down. But like, I have to slow down or I'll play terrible. But what I do when I'm walking a course, I'm just going, okay, what's going on in my body? Yes. What have I been feeling? What have I not been paying attention to? And yep. so I, I love that you said that because I think the practice of creating the space to slow down to be with yourself, yep. be present with the speed of yourself, All those things are so key. Yeah,
1: Yeah. One of the things I talk about a lot in the plan portion is how are you creating space in your life? How are you intending space for stillness, Mm. silence? Mm. How are you incorporating silence into your life? For me, learning how to, how to, I call it silent prayer, but a mentor had, had introduced me to a way of praying that has had different names in different traditions. I just call it silent prayer. Hmm. I mean, Jeff, it has helped me learn how to quiet my mind. Hmm. And you know, I was listening to a, a song. Um, what's it called? It's based on Psalm 27. I'll be confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right. Yeah. And one thing you know will never change. He, 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 he. Whatever he says, he will do. Is I'm butchering the lyrics, but that's the song. And it calls to mind, well, like God, what have you actually said? I was thinking about this this morning. It's like i i I'm on a lot of adventures that I think are aligned with what God's inviting me to, but I can't say I heard a voice from heaven, right? I mean, those are pretty rare in my life anyway and and it's like as i was as I was kind of praying through that, like, what is a promise that I know you will always keep? And what came to mind is, um. Isaiah 26 in verse three, where uh, Isaiah under the hand of God writes, um, "He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, for they trust in Him." And I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's right." I I'm going to anchor there that you will keep that promise, that mm-hmm. you will keep my mind in perfect peace, which. I learned from the Bible project guy, um, Tim Mackey. Mackey?
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Is the only time that phrase is used in the entire scriptures. The perfect piece is actually shalom, shalom. The perfect version of shalom. So if you can imagine mm. the ultimate flourishing, the ultimate, again, circumstances might be hard, although I think it does point to circumstantial Blessing as well, the concept of flourishing and shalom. But lived experience tells me even in hard times, the mind being kept in perfect peace, in shalom, shalom, is possible when we anchor it into the reality of God right here, right now. And that Mm -hmm. takes practice. It's a spiritual practice to learn how to quiet the, the scripture for that form of prayer is Psalm 131 in verse 2 I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child on its parent's lap And by the time I first met you and these many years later since since my crash really when that mentor introduced that form of prayer to me that's been my way of life
0: mm.
1: for so mm. many years and I'm I I would commend that to anyone as one of the ways that you can care for your soul.
0: Would you be willing to share a little bit more about what that looks like? Like what what yeah. how do you do that? I mean, I that's by the way, that passage. Yeah. I went through, you know, 2019 until a couple a year or so ago was probably the hardest season mm-hmm. of my life. And yeah. I just lived in that psalm. Really? Like, okay. Oh yeah. How so did it just, come through? Well, I mean, the thing, the image of that for me was like, okay, you can have this baby who could be in the worst of circumstances and, but has the milk of a mother who just has experiences the greatest safety and nurture and care that you could ever imagine. I can just literally fall asleep in the middle of the craziest moments. And that was my, that was like, Lord help me just to, to find that space with you. And so it was, it was, it was getting away, like getting space to be quiet with the Lord. It was letting the Lord speak to me and whatever, like, and again, not audible voice, but like bring those passages of scripture mm-hmm. to me, uh, inviting the spirit just to go, okay, like, I want, I want in a sense, I want that true experience of refuge. Yes. Like I want real shelter from the storm. Like, can you do that for me? Amen. And, uh, and I did experience that remarkably. Um, yep. And. Yep learned how to quiet my soul, learned how to uh, listen to the voices of my soul, and each one, pay attention to each one, like I didn't diminish the voice, like if something was crying out, it was meant to cry out, and then I pay attention to why is it crying out, and because I I know the Lord gave me the means to become aware of my need for Him Mm -hmm. in those ways, and as I did, it was like I was being satisfied with what I needed, when i was able to feel what i needed that was the key i needed to feel what i needed Mm -hmm. go to go to the lord to meet me by by the spirit in that need and then let let the spirit feed my soul like it's hard to explain to them by doing it like i don't think unless you begin to engage it you don't know what we're talking about you know and for me so much
1: to speak of of what the experience hasn't done. That yeah.
0: Yet. Because so much of what we've been trained is everything is like rational, like know the right ideas, believe the right things, pray the right way, read the Bible as much as you should, whatever. And it was like, no, no, no. That all goes out the window when you're just like, I got nothing other yep. than what's going on inside of me and how desperately I need you, Jesus.
1: Yep. <laughs> yes. For me, the invitation to this prayer was a way to learn how to clamor the many many loud voices in my own soul, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And 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 to learn like you're talking about there's ways to and times where we need to give them their voice and that's an yeah. important part. For me a lot of it was learning to just let go of my words, which so mm-hmm. much of us in leadership like everything's about your words. You're teaching, you're casting vision, you're recruiting volunteers, you're raising money. Everything's about our words and we become, I believe, overly dependent on our words. And to enter into a practice that is wordless, like the definition that was given to me for this form of prayer was a wordless way of resting in the presence of a God with an attitude of openness, contrition, and longing.
0: Oh, and wow. even
1: just when I say the when I remind myself that definition I can feel a stillness
0: start to come Oh my body me. felt it as you said it I was like oh.
1: a wordless way of resting in the presence of God with an attitude of openness contrition and longing mm-hmm. And we use I've I've been using almost like a mindfulness technique it's like I I identify a word or phrase and for me, I choose different ones all the time. It's part of the practice for me is to think about what's my current longing? What is my current desire for God in, or in my life? And is it for healing? Is it Jesus? Is it mercy? Is it power? Is it breakthrough? Is it whatever is my current longing? Um, mm-hmm. I let that word, I sort. I usually write that in my journal. Like I just note whatever the, the, the day's, word is. And then I I like to enter into silence where I'm like letting the interior of my soul become like a still body of water, which mm-hmm. usually it's pretty turbulent, right? It's like a mountain stream crashing fast down the hill. But in this form of prayer, it's like how do I let those waters become still? And mm. as my mentor said, as if the breath of God could blow across it, you would see the ripples, right? That, oh, wow. that's still. And, 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 and stay there in a wordless, you know, this is not a practice you can do like at Starbucks, like you can journal at Starbucks. You cannot do silent prayer <laughs> or whatever is your coffee shop locally. I, I need to be in a place that has actual silence and, and enter into the silence, and be mm. wor- let the interior waters become still. And then, usually, a few microseconds into that stillness, I'm worrying about a thing. I'm I'm solving a problem in my head. I'm arguing with somebody, and I have to. As soon as I realize that I my head is, my mind is gone, my body's still still. My mouth is quiet, but I'm I'm full of words. I'm full of words and it's like no 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 this time is about breath or whatever that word was and i allow that to bring my attention back to stillness and i'm not saying words to god i'm not listening for words from god i am literally letting my mind be still now I don't recommend like opening your mind to the universe. Like that's generally kind of a bad idea, but this I think okay. of as a very Trinitarian protected. And that imagery from that Psalm is what holds me, right? It's like you said, and, and it talks about a weaned child actually. Yes. And, and so to be an older child who is there for the sake of relationship and who has, who has intentionally stilled and quieted their soul. I mean, this has been, I believe, one of the most transformational practices in my life. And I believe it's a silent assent or permission giving to say to the Lord, at a level below words, have your way in me. You know what needs to change. You know what needs growth. You know what what needs healing. None of those things need to go through my logic or reasoning for me to be okay, for you to have your way in my interior world. Have your way. So good. So that's how I practice
0: that. Oh, Usually I set a timer for like like
1: 20 minutes. Do
0: you have a place like where you, around your home or do you go someplace?
1: You know, we've had so much turbulence since the fires came through here last year that my sense of place, the room I'm in right now feels more like a place, but this isn't usually where I am first thing in the morning. Okay. But the, the cool thing, Jeff, is that it's like, this practice goes with me in any hotel room, wherever I am, at home, up here on the ranch, anywhere. It almost like becomes my place with God no matter where I am. It becomes hmm. that place to retreat.
0: Well, I was going to ask, what do you what do you think are the leaders need the most? And I think you just answered, you might have answered it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, friends, it can be terrifying to let go of your words. You're used to being in charge. You're good at it. And that's that's yeah. to be celebrated and blessed, not not reviled in any way. But you need for the Lord to hold you in spaces where you're not in control. And there is healing available that you don't even know you need.
0: Mm.
1: And I believe God is releasing a wave of healing into the body of Christ. And he will not bludgeon us over the head with it. But I think when we make ourselves open, we don't bring a lot to the table. We're not bringing like achievement to the table. We're bringing yieldedness, openness, the contrition, the longing. But I believe God wants to meet every single person Mm -hmm. with a wave of love, of healing, of power to do for you what you cannot do on your own, which is probably a lot longer list than you want to know.
0: Hmm. I feel like I want to do two or three sessions with you now.
1: <laughs> I'm right here. Anytime. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, thank you. Wow, well, um, gosh, we're kind of running out of time. I want to do like another full episode. Maybe we can you will you'd be willing to come back in the future?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Seriously. Always like, this is so rich. It's an honor. Like, it's
1: an honor I to didn't play. even
0: need to guide this conversation because I just felt like it took us where it needed to go. So,
1: well, I just want to celebrate and commend. I uh, thank you for what an honor to join you in your community here that you've been cultivating and building for many years. You are carrying um, a very important message and you have a unique ability to bring it. We talked about this one when, when yeah. we were last. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I just want to celebrate and champion that as much as I can, Jeff. I think your work among leaders and in cities is vital. We need a fresh vision. We need fresh ideas. We need fresh ways of being the people of God in a community. And I believe you've got some of the most compelling ways of thinking about that and helping leaders move into that. So I just, Mm -hmm. however I can support you, you know, my, my goal is to, is to lift up what you're doing and be supportive Mm -hmm. to it and, um, and, and to be supportive to you as a friend, of course. So yeah, I'll come every week, whatever you need.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, I am so thankful for you and, um, that you got pissy. (laughs) 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 That you said, I'm not doing that again. Let's not go back that way of. It was kind of
1: like in AA, it's like hitting rock bottom. It's like, that's right. I, the appeal of that, it's like, I might as well have been stoned out of my mind and like sleeping in the gutters and realizing, because that's the equivalent of it. When Mm -hmm. you're driven and you're living out of that angst and deep lack of joy or love or any of that, you might as well be mm. sleeping in a gutter with heroin. I mean, it is not, yeah. oh man, I'm overstating things, but that's how it
0: feels. I don't think you are. Cause I, I think, I think there's like a religious addiction, you know, for a lot of leaders. And even that you start at the beginning, like this martyr complex that we've taken passages of scripture and we're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy myself for the kingdom of God. And it's like, that doesn't give him any glory whatsoever and that's not what he created you for. No. Like he he came to give life, life to the fullest, abundant life, eternal life. That's not life after death, that's an entirely new kind of living. Now. Yes, right now. So, man. people, this is
1: what the lost world needs. Absolutely. We need exemplars of people who carry inner peace. Yeah. People who have courage. People who can love people they don't agree with.
0: Yes. Please help us on that one, Lord. Please,
1: God. Like, that's what a watching world, I think, would be primed for revival. Yes. If the people of God were literally showing up in the way of Jesus, marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes. Yes. I, that's what I want. So, leaders, go go carry that torch, <laughs> but oh, don't please. do it out of achieving. That's go right. rest in God and let Him do oh. this through you.
0: Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes.
1: Learn the unforced rhythms of, rhythms grace. of grace.
0: Yes. You'll recover in your life. Oh. That's
1: the, I'm using that phrase so for the. Good. God willing, I think it's the the title of what this new book will be.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: it's, it's comes from that Matthew 11 to recover your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have you back on and have you tell us more about that. Ah, um, fun. Before that, before we leave though, I, if, if anybody wanted to find out more information about mm-hmm. what you're doing, the work you're doing, because I, I want to highly recommend people check things out that oh. you're up to because you're a real blessing. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, like you said get it somewhere but i'm yeah. going to let them know this is one place they really could get it so
1: but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to serve anybody uh any and and any organizations um we do partnerships with some large churches uh global ministries but uh soulcare.com is the easiest way to go find out about what we're doing uh from there you can find out about our different services and <clears throat> we have an online digital community that is growing um, so that's just called The Collective, but all of it you can find uh, from soulcare.com. So
0: yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Mindy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your life and mm-hmm. uh, for taking seriously the things that um, give life. So appreciate Amen. that. Amen. Really and you as well, you. right
1: back at you, Jeff.
0: Well, that was such good stuff from Mindy. I'm so thankful for her and the work that she's doing, the ministry she has. Just want to commend you towards soulcare.com and, and all the things they're doing. Uh, she's been at this a long time and a very trusted friend and um, colleague and somebody who's uh, gonna be a great help to many of you uh, with the work she and her organization are doing. So I encourage you to reach out to, to them and, and get the help you need. Um, if you have questions at all about anything we're doing or ways you can get more connected to the work of saturate reach out to us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. Also, we always want to uh, invite our listeners to check out the resources at saturatetheworld.com. And we have a membership there that you can sign up for to get all the resources, all training videos. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of resources available. Um, because uh, we have to pay for these things to get done, We we it is a subscription-based service that you pay monthly for, but we'd love to offer a two week, uh, trial for you. If you're interested, uh, you could just go on, sign up and then use the code when it says cute in the coupon space, use the code podcast 2023, all lowercase letters, no spaces, podcast 2023, uh, love for you to check out everything there. And then lastly, if you would like to become a saturate partner who prays for us regularly, send us an email at hello at saturate the world.com. I send out a text probably every other week or so about things that we're up to, uh, new things we're working on and just invite you to join us to pray. And then some of you, uh, know that we, we also, uh, raise all our support. You know, We charge fees for certain things, but a lot of what we're doing, we're just donor based organization. And so if you would like to help us financially, you can go to saturate the world.com forward slash give. And, uh, there'll be a drop-down menu that will let you support the work we're doing if that's something you're interested. Again, thanks so much for being with us. I'm hopeful that you will take seriously what you heard, and it will bless you as you apply it in your own life.